This episode of Case Acquaint contains graphic descriptions of child sexual abuse. Listeners who may find this content disturbing are advised to exercise discretion. Hello everyone, welcome back to Case Acquaint. You have found episode 29. Some quick updates for you. Dylan Redwine's alleged murderer, Mark Redwine, has finally entered a plea, and he has pled not guilty. As you will remember, Dylan's story was featured in episode 12. He disappeared during a Thanksgiving visit to his father, Mark Redwine, and some of his remains were found years later in the mountains behind Mark Redwine's house. Also this week, Peyton Field's uncle, David Prevett, who was a suspect in her murder, did a jailhouse interview with local media. During that interview, he contradicted himself a few times. He said nobody murdered Peyton, and he said he didn't murder Peyton. But then he said he has his suspicions of who murdered Peyton. He also said, they ain't got no evidence. How does he know they don't have any evidence? Did he clean up evidence before taking Peyton to the emergency room? So those are our updates for this week. Now on with today's story, which will be a bit of a departure from our regular format. We feel it's an important subject, so we're bringing it to you. We've been surprised that it was covered only slightly in the mainstream media, even though it's a federal case. Today, we're going to talk about the evolving case of alleged child predator Joel Davis. Joel Davis was a media darling for years, even though in June of 2018, when he was charged with his current offenses, he was only 22 years old. And why was he a media darling? Well, he has a talent for self-promotion, for learning how to speak the language of propaganda in the political arena, and there can be very little doubt that he was provided with all the tools he would need coming from a reasonably privileged background. The son of an orthopedic surgeon and dental hygienist from Punta Gorda, Florida, in 2014 Davis founded and installed himself as the executive director of a nonprofit called Youth to End Sexual Violence. The website of Youth to End Sexual Violence says it was founded by youth delegates of a human rights event which was called the Global Summit to End Sexual Violence in Conflict. This global summit was hosted by UK Foreign Minister William Haig and UN Special Envoy Angelina Jolie. The nonprofit goes on to describe itself as a far-reaching organization. Nonetheless, at this point, not many are claiming to be in any way affiliated with this organization, Youth to End Sexual Violence. But that's not the way it was before June of 2018, so let's back up a little bit. There's another organization called the International Campaign to Stop Rape and Gender Violence in Conflict. I realize that's a very long name, so from now on, this name that's more like a sentence, we're going to now refer to as simply Campaign to Stop Rape. It's a loose conglomeration of activists and nonprofits apparently united for a common cause, which is this particular campaign. It was started in 2012 by some influential human rights activists. Its mission was to, and I quote, 
demand urgent and bold political leadership to prevent rape in conflict, to protect citizens and rape survivors, and call for justice for all, including effective prosecution of those responsible. They're supposed to be advocating for prevention, protection, and prosecution. On the website of Youth to End Sexual Violence, their logo is right next to the Campaign to Stop Rape logo. So they're closely affiliated despite what the Campaign to Stop Rape has recently gone on Twitter to say, which we're going to get to in a few minutes. Like we said, Youth to End Sexual Violence was created in 2014. Got young Joel Davis at the helm. We have no idea who else was working there, if anyone. But then in 2015, our young, self-promoting human rights activists made the news. That's right. Local news in Punta Gorda, Florida, reported that Davis, 19 years old at the time, had been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. We looked for more reports on this, and we couldn't really find anything. He could have been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, but we could only find this report and instances of Davis bragging about this nomination. The report said that Davis started his own group called Youth to End Sexual Violence, didn't say anything about a bunch of youth delegates from Global Summit to End Sexual Violence and Conflict. It did say that Davis was a student at American University, he worked at the United Nations, and that he had been to several countries working alongside Angelina Jolie, another well-known activist. Now, obviously, 19-year-old Joel Davis didn't win a Nobel Peace Prize, but he did capitalize off this claim of being nominated. In 2017, according to the Campaign to Stop Rape, they voted unanimously to reorganize and restructure under the leadership of Davis's Youth to End Sexual Violence, which was, as they called it, the first international organization of young survivors working in conflict countries. And don't forget, this group bills itself as a conglomeration of over 5,000 human rights organizations, experts, and survivors. And they have that written on their website right now. So thus far, we have, let me just recap really quick, Youth to End Sexual Violence. We have the Global Summit to End Sexual Violence and Conflict. And then we have the Campaign to Stop Rape, which I shortened. I just wanted to make sure we all understand these are three separate entities here. I've never seen so many wordy and verbose organizational titles. I guess that's just what you have to do if you have created something that's not much more than a name. Apparently, you have to name it something long-winded and pretentious in order to attract the attention and respect of other highfalutin charlatans. So what else did young Joel Davis do to help cement his highfalutin status? Well, he was going to college, and we don't know why he dropped out of American University, but we do know he entered Columbia at some point, and he wrote an article for the Huffington Post. The article provided an opportunity for him to market youth to end sexual violence. And he also talked about how, I quote here, In areas of conflict, children's bodies are quickly becoming sites of violence, where rape is used to terrorize and degrade entire communities, unquote. We know that's true. All throughout history, we've read about such atrocities. And after the dawn of photography, we've even, unfortunately, been faced with this human savagery through that medium. 
Davis goes on to say that in areas of conflict, we, meaning youth, and I guess himself, are not protected. Davis doesn't mention the rape and violence against children's bodies right here in his own country. Oh, and I also forgot to make sure y'all know how he wants to be perceived as the author of the Huffington Post article. This is what he says about himself. Joel Davis is the youth ambassador for the United States on sexual violence and conflict and the co-founding executive director of Youth to End Sexual Violence. He works in close partnership with the government, the UN, and various civil society and youth-led organizations to galvanize international support for the engagement of youth on the topic of sexual and gender-based violence in conflict. Prior to Youth to End Sexual Violence, Joel worked under the Director of International Policy and Partnerships at one organization, Physicians for Human Rights, and as an intern for another organization, the Program on Sexual Violence in Conflict Zones. I can't apologize enough for all these wordy organizational titles. Anyway, while a student at Columbia College of General Studies, Davis managed to pick up a speaking gig for the TEDx Columbia series, and he also submitted several articles for the student weekly newspaper, the Columbia Daily Spectator. We're going to link them from our website, casequaint.com, if you're interested in reading any of these articles. Like the federal complaint against him, these articles are difficult to stomach, but of course, in a different way. The federal criminal complaint from late June of 2018 graphically describes the desires and some of the actions taken by Joel Davis in order to affect those desires. The image this complaint conjures is truly that of a scoundrel of the highest order who is doggedly intent on raping children and has absolutely no qualms about partnering with a parent who would traffic their own baby for sex. No problem at all texting things like, need me to come down and watch your kids for a night? Smiley face. His articles, on the other hand, project an image of a sensitive, troubled victim whose life's work is stymied by his horrible past and the damage he claims to have suffered, on which he blames all of his failures at school and in relationships. We're going to have more on both the complaint and the articles, but first I want to touch on this TEDx talk he did. Now, it was, of course, taken offline because none of the people who fawned over Joel Davis as recently as a couple months ago want to be associated with him now, as you can imagine. But thank goodness the folks over at Disobedient Media salvaged it, and they have it live, so we're going to link that for you. As you can probably imagine, this case, while just beginning, already has a mountain of digital content that's publicly available. There's a chance we haven't even scratched the surface of what this dude's been up to. Despite what he talked about in the articles he submitted to the Columbia Spectator and the Huffington Post, his TEDx talk artfully unveiled Joel Davis, the naive and privileged student of international politics, a young man who previously had no idea what evils the world held for children until he became an intern and began to transcribe interviews of rape victims living in war-torn Congo. The first interview he transcribed, he said, was with a nurse representing an infant rape victim who died in her care. He said, it was one of those moments where you wake up to what isn't in your own world. So here, yet another version of Joel Davis, the one whose life was changed 
by learning that children are raped and brutalized. He said, That was when I knew helping survivors would become my life's work. I became one of the fiercest and loudest activists out there. That statement earned a polite applause from the well-trained TEDx audience. Joel Davis, the Benevolent Crusader. Joel Davis, fearlessly traveling the world, accidentally rubbing elbows, as he calls it, with the likes of Angelina Jolie and other human rights crusaders who valiantly try, but still struggle, to portray an affectation of humility. And that affectation of humility, let's make no mistake about it, he had to try very hard to project humility because the urge to constantly, publicly congratulate himself was just too strong. As a regular submitter to the Columbia Spectator, he experimented with his author's bio. Davis mentioned every time that he was a Nobel nominee, was also addressed ad nauseum in the content of almost everything he wrote about himself. Here's one example from October of 2017. Quote, the author is an ancient studies major in the School of General Studies, chairman of the International Campaign to Stop Rape, author of the upcoming novel Benevolence, a Nobel Peace Prize nominee, and a current columnist for Spectator. Follow him on Instagram at supercoolkid212. Now there's no mention of his fetish site username, youngperv22, and later, The Spectator would make it clear that Joel Davis was never on staff with the student paper. This bio and Davis's habit of repeatedly reminding people of his Nobel Peace Prize nomination didn't always produce the intended effect. One reader responded in the comments section by writing, A Nobel Peace Prize nominee. Well, I can't tell if this claim is supposed to be read seriously or as satire, but it's entirely made up. The Nobel Committee does not itself announce the names of nominees, neither to the media nor to the candidates themselves. Insofar as certain names crop up in the advanced speculations as to who will be awarded any given year's prize, this is either sheer guesswork or information put out by the person or persons behind the nomination. Information in the Nobel Committee's nomination database is not made public until after 50 years. So it's beginning to become pretty clear Joel Davis cultivated several personas for convenience, and there were seemingly no restrictions on his very own characterizations of himself, the only rule being that whatever characterization or projection it was, careful manipulation of the information should produce the result of an external reward. Most of the time, it did produce a reward. Also, for his Spectator articles, the Nobel Peace Prize nomination served a purpose beyond impressing the reader. In an article from September of 2017, he explained away his college dropouts thusly. When news broke that I was being considered for a Nobel Prize, I had a psychological breakdown, tormented by the recollection of my childhood sex abuse, and withdrew from Columbia. Given his history of lying and manipulation, this claim should be taken with the proverbial grain of salt. But he had a reason for writing that, for casting the Nobel Prize nomination as a cross for him to bear. He was looking for sympathy. In another article, he complained that because he was previously a dropout, which he at one point characterized as a gap year when it was convenient to avoid the subject of his self-described psychological breakdown, he whined about how unfair life is for general studies students at Columbia, an Ivy League school. 
since they don't get a free subscription to the New York Times like other Columbia students get. Despite how legendary child predators are for their ability to fit in, to manipulate, and to reframe reality, one thing they all seem to have in common is an uncontrollable propensity to feel sorry for themselves. It's one thing they just can't seem to always cover up. Some questions about Davis's past remain. Was he in fact nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize? We won't know for sure for close to 50 years, I suppose, unless he can prove it. Until such time, it'd be best to stop reporting that he was a nominee, only that he claimed to be a nominee. That 2015 local news report doesn't cite a source for this information, and looking back, I think everyone can agree that due to his vast history of lying and deceit, nothing Davis says about himself should be believed outright unless there is proof. In his TEDx talk, Davis even bragged about pretending to be something he wasn't, proudly recounting how he fooled people into thinking he was a law student when he wasn't. The personality portrait of this troubled individual will be that of a liar, a fraud, a hypocrite, and most importantly, a dangerous predator. Now we're going to start getting into things that Joel Davis did in his secret criminal life, and these are the things that I think sensitive listeners might not want to hear. So if you think it might be traumatic, Please just stop listening. According to the federal government's complaint, Joel Davis has already admitted to acts which could place him behind bars for 70 years. And this is just the initial complaint. Will more charges be added? Here's how Joel Davis was caught doing exactly what he has spent the last several years campaigning against and loudly calling for tough prosecution of. In May of 2018, undercover agents with the FBI posted an ad on a fetish site saying, looking for other no-limits taboo pervs in the D.C. area, buy dad here. Meaning, bisexual dad here, I have children to offer up for use. It's been pretty well established that, like any other subculture, the child sexual predator community has their own lingo and mode of operation. Our friend, YoungPerv22, spelled Y-N-G-P-E-R-V-2-2, sent the following playful and carefree response. Need me to come down and watch your kids for a night, smiley face? At that point, phone numbers were exchanged and Davis began discussing over the course of about a month or two what he would like to do. I'm not going to go into everything. It's much too graphic for this show, even though we believe in providing the facts. This is simply too graphic. We'll provide as much as we think necessary to get the gist of his acts across to you. He expressed his sexual interest in children from ages zero plus, and he said he had no limits. He stated that he had previous sexual experience with a nine-month-old boy, six-year-old girl, and a seven-year-old boy. Upon finding out there was an eight-year-old girl available, Davis relayed his intent to perform oral sex on this child, and we aren't going to quote him directly, it's too graphic. He also sent the agent acting as the parent-slash-trafficker several despicable images of babies being forced to perform oral sex, children being raped in various ways, photographed in sickening positions, and other highly abusive photos. 
in an exchange with another agent who told him there was yet another young girl, a two-year-old, available. He texted much of the same information as to the first agent, but this time, he lamented over an unsuccessful and unsatisfying encounter with a seven-year-old boy who struggled too much so he couldn't perform the act he intended to perform. He also crudely described his abuse of a baby girl. He made several more statements about wanting to perform oral sex on a female child. He requested naked pictures of the supposed children being offered up and bragged that he had hundreds of child porn in his collection, mostly of babies and toddlers, and repeatedly offered to trade images. Joel Davis has been fairly established to be a liar, but he wasn't lying about his collection of child porn because when the FBI got around to carrying out a search warrant, they did in fact find a large collection of child porn. Now, Davis, after being read his Miranda rights, agreed to talk with the FBI, and during his questioning, he admitted he would have gone ahead with abusing these children had he been sure the parents were not law enforcement. He also admitted to having recently met a 13-year-old boy on Grindr, which is a predominantly gay dating app. Then he communicated with this young boy over Snapchat and later met with this boy, sexually abusing him. This is probably just the beginning of what the government will eventually find out about Joel Davis. It's horrifying to read about what he was caught doing, especially in light of the statistics. The average child molester will offend anywhere from 200 to 400 times before being caught, if ever, because most offenders are never caught and they have no criminal record. People are doing a lot of talking about child sex trafficking. Well, it's happening more and more nowadays due to the ease with which people can communicate. Never before has it been so easy to make a few quick bucks off of selling your child's body to someone like Joel Davis, a.k.a. Young Perv 22. And these pervs don't have to bother as much with the whole process of grooming a child, since the parents, or so-called guardians, have already established successful methodologies that they have used on their children. Apps like Grindr also help with the expectation of a hookup, so children who are using these apps are very much in danger of being sexually abused or worse, and the grooming process is much easier for the pervert. We're starting to see that children everywhere face this danger at all times. Davis pointedly ignored vulnerable children in his own community, choosing instead to focus on the welfare of children he had no chance of accessing. After establishing himself as an educator, someone who knew all about how to defend against the raping of children, he went right ahead and did that very thing. It's only due to his own lack of control that he was caught. If he hadn't answered that ad, He'd still be finding boys on Grindr to rape. He'd still be grooming kids over Snapchat. He'd be on the dark web trading media from his collection and looking for other pervs who have children on offer. And he'd still be acting like some human rights superhero. Joel Davis would still be existing and living large in his own fantasies. It's important to note that at the same time he recorded his TEDx talk, he was fully engaged with the FBI agents attempting to gain access to the children they were discussing. 
since this complaint was filed and Davis was arrested, there has been a flurry of activity among anyone who had any sort of dealings with him. In research for this story, as we mentioned, we came across a couple articles by Elizabeth Foss, a journalist for Disobedient Media. These articles were the most informative and fact-based we could find. She's the only journalist that we could find who called out the group International Campaign to Stop Rape and Gender Violence in Conflict as liars for having the nerve to deny Davis was anything more than a volunteer coordinator. That's just one example. And this is an important story because it shows how someone can fool everybody, even when he's bragging about being a liar. He's making no secret of how he's fooled people, and he has no shame in portraying himself as both a victim and a shocked, naive schoolboy come crusader. Joel Davis, as of this broadcast, has not entered a plea. Will he try to make a deal? Will his well-off family be willing to engage an attorney who will create a defense strategy emphasizing some sort of mental illness? We can only wonder at how much money there is to possibly be earned by professional expert witnesses in this case. But let's be clear, there's mental illness and there's criminal behavior. Most people who are truly mentally ill are not criminals and they don't act like criminals. They don't engage in highly criminal behavior. So we have no sympathy for Joel Davis. If he was struggling, he had all the support he needed in order to find help. We have lots of links for you to check out on our website, casequaint.com, if you can stomach some of the information therein. Follow us on Facebook to discuss this case. As usual, we are going to be following developments and we'll keep you updated. Let us know what you think about this case and don't forget to share its progression because this can't be all to the story. In fact, we believe it's only the beginning. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>